Welcome back to Marketing Careers Uncovered and Happy New Year. I hope you all enjoyed the Christmas and New Year break and just like that, we're back into it. So today, what we're going to be talking about is this whole area of, of having a great idea is one thing, but it's not worth much if you're not able to actually deliver on that um, on that promise. So today, we're actually going to be taking a little swim in the world of marketing operations and the art of getting stuff done. So whether you're at a larger firm with the opportunity and scope to specialise in this particular area, or you're in a smaller firm and need to balance having that strategic vision alongside effective delivery, there should be something for everyone to take from um, from this conversation today. So to guide us along, I'm here with Blaine Tetterton, Senior Manager of Marketing Operations at um, Atvasion, to um, to help us uncover a little bit about her um, her career and journey so far in the world of marketing operations. Hello, how are you? Very good. Um, now, the eagle-eared amongst us might notice your accent uh, and that you're not UK-based. Uh, so tell us a little bit about where you are uh, where you are at the moment. I am not. I, I definitely have the little southern drawl. I am from Raleigh, North Carolina in the States. Uh, so down south here where it's still a little bit warm. Still a little bit warm. That's uh, we've had nothing but storms and flooding for the past couple of couple of days. So I will um, I will just close my eyes and imagine slightly warm for a um, for a moment. Paul, so if you could just kick us off, it'd be really helpful to understand where you are right now, what you're doing, what kind of things you're involved in. Just give us a little bit of a flavor of um, of what you're up to. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I actually just started a new role at a company called Vasion. I'm really excited to be here. I'm the senior manager of marketing operations. And our focus, my team's focus is really helping support uh, the marketing, the sales, the business operations teams to better improve upon the tech stack, the processes, the overall flow of how leads come in through our different systems and our process through and get to sales and then are worked through sales. So we spend a lot of time around process optimization, uh, tech implementation, um, a lot of different programs we're working on there. So when you when you talk about the sort of tech stack and tech, tech implementation, what kind of things are involved in 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 that in that world? What kind of technology are we talking about? Yeah, it's it's a mixed bag for sure. MarkTech is this huge space right now with massive amounts of different tools when it comes to your marketing automation platform. Even your CRM falls under MarkTech. You've got intent-based programs, different AI, um, email coding, things like this that all incorporate and integrate together. And there needs to be someone not just to admin these tools, but also to align on how they're talking to each other. What is the shared information? How is those workflows built out so that a user can easily get in, get the information they need and pass it to the next tool? So marketing operations really focuses um, and the sweet spots, typically your marketing automation platform. So your Marketo, your HubSpot and really developing the automations in there and then have it talk to your CRM, have it uh, gather the information from your intent program and use those in your different marketing campaigns. So, so this could be, yeah. If I come through, let's let's say you're running a Facebook lead gen lead gen ad, I would come through. I I would come through that into the Facebook platform. That information then might get piped into um into into CRM. Might then go through a lead routing routing tool. Might 
might get combined with other data if I've been a previous, um, if I previously engaged with your with, with your firm, and essentially you're knitting all of that together. So actually, as far as me as a potential customer, I get straight through to the person I might want or need to need to speak to without having to jump through loads and loads of convoluted hoops, right? Absolutely, and you'll see a lot of people will have anywhere from four to five tools that an individual will actually come through before they talk to a rep. And that can all happen within a time frame of five minutes. So a person fills out a form on your website, that form is a different tool, that website's in a different tool. Then they get processed through all their information stamps, that's a tool. Then they get routed, that's a different tool. And then they go into the CRM for the rep to then communicate. And even the dialer that the rep is using is a different tool. And all of this happens in such a short window of time. It has to be communicating effectively. And you mentioned, and you mentioned sort of looking at the process and implementation optimization sort of um, sort of, sort of piece. Um, what does that look like in this um, in this space? What kind of work are you doing? Are you doing there? So my sort of specialty is really helping this, what's called the lead life cycle. So when someone enters in that single source, they come in through a um, social media ad, a paid search ad, they enter into your system. And then there's all these steps that have to happen internally for our teams to be able to not only attribute where that came from as far as reporting, but also to make sure that all the qualification um, pieces are properly aligned so that it gets routed to the right rep. You have different territory information. Uh, you have different um, types of, of data points that you need to establish. Is this going to be a small business that can go through its own individual quoting process? Or is it enterprise level that a specific rep has to handle in a specific way? And so really building out that flow so that all of this happens within a short window of time. It's well known in the industry standard that from the time someone fills out a demo to the time of contact, the shortest amount of time you have there, the more likely you are to get that demo and get that opportunity. So if you can reduce the time to contact and really optimize the process that this person's information goes through from even 10 minutes to two minutes, you're increasing your actual opportunity percentage and your pipeline by one, 2%. Yeah, it's really, 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 really interesting. So yeah, particularly if I was going to be running a particular campaign over a sort of three to six month period, but actually you're one of the first people I probably want to come and talk to, to mm -hmm. figure out, okay, how do I... How do I actually get this campaign up and running? But then also, really, really importantly, make sure that when I've got prospects, potential prospects coming through the funnel, that I'm not just going to be um, waving goodbye to them by you know they're not getting into getting to the right place at the right at the right time or not being picked up quick enough. Absolutely, yeah. And even on the back end, it's funny because a lot of people view marketing ops as oh, they're going to help me build my email campaigns, which we do absolutely. But there's so much more that we can support on, not just from the process, but also the reporting standpoint. How do you know that that campaign that you put out was effective? What if the subject line could have been a little bit different that could have created more of an open rate? What if the uh, CTA was not effective enough? These are elements that 
we can see in reporting after the fact and then help improve for future campaigns. And in terms of how big is the um, how big is your team at the, at the moment that supports um, supports Adobation? How many how many of you are there? Um, there's actually three of us on my team, including myself. So we're a small team. I think that's a benefit of marketing ops. You're small but mighty. You'll typically see companies that have, you know, ten to fifteen marketers, forty sales reps, and one or two marketing ops people. And so you, we have to be these jack of all trades. We have to understand the process, understand the tools, and engage with all different stakeholders in a company to really make everything a success. And understand the customer as well. I, I guess oh, yeah. in, in terms of. You know, if you're going to be running lots of different experiments, you know, which, what kind of email campaigns or uh, or, or various other ch- channels, uh, yeah, how does that work? How does that effectively? Um, how how can you more effectively target a um, a customer there? Then, yeah. um, the customer journey and the customer view is so instrumental because when you think about it, our stakeholders aren't just internal. We aren't just supporting the marketing team, the sales team, but we're also building out the forms that the customer sees. So are our forms UA friendly? Is it something that someone can easily read? Is it enough fields or too little fields? There's so much that has to play a role in it that we really have to be this view all aspects. And so it's an interesting space to be in right now. I have had very, I've had quite a few quote unquote animated discussions about um, too many fields or not enough fields oh. on um, on forms to last me a lifetime. It's a hot topic. <laughs> yeah, because everyone everyone wants more. Um, everyone wants more data, right? But um, oh, yeah. but there are very certainly a point where um, where it, you really start closing the stable door there. For sure. How did you get involved in the world of marketing operations? It doesn't strike me as the thing you would, you know, when you're at school going, when I grow up, I want to be, um, I want to be a marketing operations manager. Yeah, um, that definitely wasn't across my mind. (laughs) I went to school for theater management. Uh, I thought that I was going to do live productions on Broadway and I was going to run them. So I was what was called a stage manager and it's ultimately project management. I helped organize the scheduling, the tech, the actors, really calling the shots anytime in a live production, a set moves, a light changes. There's a stage manager in the background calling the shots. So I have this natural kind of, it's almost a little bit of a control freak, but this this association with being that project manager that in control helping things move effectively. So after some years of doing that, it was exhausting. It was nights and weekends. It was um, contract work. And so I just took the next gig I could, which was sales. I did outside sales for a long time, inside sales, and eventually made a progression into sales ops which then turned into marketing project management and then turned into marketing ops. So it was almost like a I fell into it. 
which I've actually found talking to a number of other marketing ops folks seems to be the trend. There isn't anybody who's at my stage in their career said, oh, I want to go into marketing ops. But now that it's become so much more known, so much more um, awareness of what we do, it is starting to take hold and people are starting to say, oh, that is interesting. That's the field I want to go into. I think it, it has tended to get a bit of a, um, a a bit of a rep as just being, you know, the kind of role where you're stuck in the engine room and you're just crunching some numbers and you know you're the admin for a couple of for a couple of systems. But actually, from what I've already covered from what you've what you've said so far, actually there is so so much more that goes into uh, yeah, being successful in in marketing operations. And I'm particularly interested that. The route that you took from sales out, outside and inside sales and, in, and into that, actually, you've probably come into that space with a far, far greater understanding of the customer than, than dare I say it out loud, than a lot of marketers that, um, <laughs> but, 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 I've, but I've met across the years. Yeah, it's. Um, I actually think that it was definitely a benefit um, to me and helped me garner that side of communication that I needed to really dive into this marketing ops side of things. Um, Even when I was in sales, I was deviating towards sales ops. So it was always sort of in the back of my mind as I was doing things, there's a better way to do this. There's a better way to improve this. And I think that naturally led me down where I was. But over the course of my career, I have found that my knowledge and background having done sales and then also having done marketing really helps me hone in on the needs of my stakeholders and really help to improve upon the process because I know what it's like to be in a CRM and having to log all of the details, every call you make, everything you're doing, and you're on the road and you're you're talking to people and you need it easy, you need it quick, you need it fast. So it's really helped me reevaluate how I look at stuff because tech is the default for marketing ops. People think marketing ops, okay, they're the admins, they're the system holders for these things. But there's so much more that we've started to build out because of our knowledge base there that we've started to become the industry trendsetters when it comes to even like AI and how are we improving processes and and incorporating these new features that are constantly out. And that's what's made marketing ops such a success and a growing field in these past few years is because of the industry leaders out there, you know, your Daryl Alfonso, your Mike Rizzo, these guys that are known in the industry in the ops space as going above and beyond the tools, doing more, seeing more because of their experiences from different career paths. And from what I've seen, really, really not losing focus on actual proper commercial mm-hmm. objectives and not getting lost in the, oh, well, here's some shiny new toys. Let's see what we can what, what we can bolt in here. Well, and I think it's also, there's something to be said for having this unbiased association to quota. You know, we're not beholden to a typical quota of MQLs or a pipeline generated. And so we have this ability to really see the big picture. We can step back and it's not just, okay, I have to hit MQLs by this channel in this amount or 
the pipeline's not going to be there, or I have to make these number of meetings. So to have that ability to step back and really evaluate the overall process and say, okay, if you tweak this one little thing, you could reduce the time it takes to build out these campaigns, and then you could do more campaigns. And so giving us that insight has really allowed other teams to do better at what they do. No, no, really, 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 really helpful. Um, so in terms of looking back at your role, so that sort of first role that you took um, as a, in, in terms of project management, as you started to make those baby steps towards the um, sort of marketing ops, ops world, did you have any particular career goal in, in, in mind or were you just sort of seeing where this took you and, and focusing on actually what interests you versus having a, a, a master plan? Yeah, I definitely was focusing on what interests me. Um, I have always been a very career-driven, aspirational individual. So there's always been on the back of my mind, like, what's the next step? What am I going to do better next year? But it wasn't a, oh, in two years, I'm going to manage a team, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. It was, I've really enjoyed this piece of my role. How do I expand on that more? How do I do more of what I am enjoying doing? And so I've followed that down my career. And I think that's when I first took that project management, that like marketing project management role, I was building out sort of like events, doing trade shows, building out this big event for a company where all of their top clients had this huge experience. Uh, We took them all on a trip to thank them for their services and things like that. And it really showed me that that project management aspect was my thing. That's what I liked. And so the more I started spending time on that side of things, I actually got an opportunity to get my um, project management certificate through PMI, which was a huge career achievement for me. And that helped me really focus in and hone in on, okay, I know that it's more operational that I want to be, but I love that creative side of things. I love that coming up with ideas, being creative from the marketing side. And so it was, how do I combine those two? And I have a tendency, I have a background of making my own path, whether it be in school or career-wise, I've always just said, okay, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to make it work where I'm at and taking on whatever responsibilities I need to do to make that into what I want it to be. And so I've molded my career from jobs where my job was supposed to be one thing, but I started taking on responsibilities in different areas because it's what I wanted to do and created that perfect position for me. Yeah, and I think that's something that's really, really underestimated in terms of uh, you know, you're you're not going to be given everything you um, everything you want out of a out of a role all the time so yeah where you do see opportunity to say carve your own path or rob or even explore some ancillary areas where you know mm-hmm. actually i might be i might find this a bit interesting i'll, I'll have a little look and, and, and explore there that's in your gift yeah. to do so isn't it really no one else is going to yeah. do that for you unless you have a phenomenal leader which You know, some people do, but for the most part, it's okay, you're really good at what you're doing right now. So we're going to just keep you there and and not let you stray because we don't want you to to lose sight of of what we have that's working. So sometimes you really just have to take the reins in your hands and say, okay, I'm going to reach out to this team because I really want to learn more. This is interesting me. And then all of a sudden you start to get involved in a project. You're not losing sight of what your role is, but you're, you're 
in your own terms, expanding upon it. And then once they see that, people around you will start to take that into account and help you focus on that as far as your career goes. Yeah. And, and it can also you know, op- open up other opportunities either mm-hmm. in other parts of the organization or, or you know, in some cases, I've, I've found that actually the quickest way to, well, to make a career step isn't always within the organization, but outside to you know, soak up as much as much knowledge and expertise as you um as you, as you can because you don't get second chances with these um, with these things. Fantastic! Yeah, absolutely. What I'm what I'm really hearing hearing here is that uh, yeah you're taking you're really really enjoying this uh, this role of almost being a conductor actually mm-hmm. to sort of um, yeah making sure everything is where it needs to be in order for um, in order for a really really smooth um, smooth journey. Um, so you talked about the project management course that you um, that you took. Um, what other skills did you find that were really really important and helpful when um, as you as you started to progress? Um, I think marketing ops has this sort of default leadership mentality. You have to really be able to establish not just a leader with stakeholders, but um, other teams so that they lean on you, especially when you're working with IT. They tend to default to it being their role. They're supposed to be the one in control. And so establishing this leadership mentality of you're going to take onus and you're going to help and manage and be a part of it and create that relationship, I think having some of those leadership skills are really, really important because then other people will be open to you being a part of whatever project or or aspect that is being worked on. And then another one is really um, relationship building, uh, which I think is that sales piece that really connected for me is having the ability to walk into any room and talk to anyone and make the connections of, oh, this is your day to day. And you mentioned that this is a little bit of a struggle. You know what? I actually know a process that's been working for somebody else that might just be able to be adapted for you. And so building those relationships, making those connections has really helped keep other teams involved and and connected across the board. So it's when people say marketing ops, they automatically think, oh, you work directly with marketing. I have never just worked with marketing. I work with marketing, with sales, with IT, with biz ops, with finance, with customer success. It's it's across the board. Um, so being able to see that and to have those conversations to build those relationships is so integral. Yeah, and it takes it takes time and conscious effort as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't just happen by os- osmosis. I mean, I, it's it's. Yeah, it really, really resonates with me. It's something I've found, always found really, really useful and, and helpful, actually, yeah, the, the relationships piece. Yeah. And actually, what's what's really surprised me over the years is that whether I've been working in a larger business or even some of the smaller firms I've um, I've, I've worked with, it's always absolutely amazed me how well, how some different, uh, various different teams within, within the firm just don't talk to each other and don't know what one team is doing over here that might benefit them over there. So yeah, it's a really, really integral position that you can um, that you can put yourself in, which does your career no harm either. Right, absolutely. <laughs> the more networking you can do, the better you will be. 
anything else at all in terms you know i've spoken to some people who found mentoring really really useful and having other types of um type, types of relationships um yeah i mean you, you're going to find your typical business type aspects important here in in marketing ops it's being savvy with tech being willing to learn new stuff knowing that when you walk in the room you just need to assume that everyone there is smarter than you with something you know that there's going to be a expert to any given aspect and so taking that time to listen and to pull in whatever information you can from the other teams and then being open to adjusting and changing and adapting because they do know more than you. So I think that's been a big piece. And honestly, that's something that I probably struggled in the beginning of my career was you come in with this, oh, you know, I have experience. I know what I'm talking about. But you almost have this like chip on your shoulder where you have to prove yourself and you have to get rid of that. You have that's going to that's going to really damper your ability to grow in your career. If you don't walk in with an open mind, you're going to walk into a wall. And so really taking that time to say, okay, I'm going to listen first. And then if I feel like things are really not on track, I'll speak up and say, look, I've seen this not work well. What I've seen be successful is this. This is my experience. But don't walk in going, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, that's that's always going to cause problems. Yeah, I, it's never a great um, it's never a great look. I I fell into that trap many years ago, and it's yeah, it did not it did not end so <laughs> well so so well for me because the the only way there is um is downhill really you know and. Mm-hmm. I took a couple of nasty, nasty falls before learning my lesson and going, but do, do you know what? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. don't know everything here. Let's just, yeah, to, to yours, just stop and listen yeah. and learn. I think that that's a lot of um, aspirational people that start out, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to, in five years, take over the world. And so those types of mentalities struggle to, take a step back. Um, I have seen though, because I personally like to hire some of those fresher individuals, fresh from college, really open to learning. I find that I can really help mold them in great ways for their career. And so I've seen it more now than back when I was starting. I felt like my generation, we went into the workforce, like we're going to conquer, we know all. And this generation now is more prone to saying, I know that there's so much that I can learn and I'm willing to learn. And I don't know if that's just my view on things, but I have seen that being an interesting shift in people going into the career world these days. No, I've definitely, I've, I've definitely seen similar behaviors ex- exhibited and, you know, particularly over in, over in the UK as well. There's definitely a little bit more of a you know, stop, look, mm-hmm. listen me- mentality starting to start to develop. I think a lot of it came from um, came from sort of television and films of the um, of the era as well. Mm-hmm. You know where you know the the atypical um, view of someone in business was yeah you know, a kind of Gordon Gecko 
type um type type character you know the uh the, the strong man i go in and i know every, and i'll sort it and i'll sort it and i know everything and um that's just not really um that's not really quite playing out so much um so much anymore and i think we are better off for it oh aren't we though <laughs> it's definitely refreshing <laughs> Take us through one or two projects that um, you know that you're particularly proud of in your um, in your career, sort of, and, and how that um, and how that all unfolded. Um, yeah, it's interesting when I think about projects that I'm proud of. It, I actually lean more towards projects that I've helped mentor people on. I am definitely a people manager. That is sort of my my passion. So I specifically think of a individual at a company I worked at, um, an electric, and she was a phenomenal worker. She really just had this mentality of wanting to learn everything. And she expressed a lot of interest in the project management side of things. And so we were bringing on a new tool. We're bringing on Chili Piper, which is a lead um, like a calendar booker tool along with lead distribution. And it involved us working very closely with both marketing, demand gen, and sales because it was doing the round robin distribution. And I had talked to her about it and she expressed interest in actually taking ownership of this project. And it was a huge project, but I knew she could do it. So I worked with her on the documentation, on you know, walking through the actual implementation of the tool, how to handle the vendors, how to handle the stakeholders. And here's this, you know, early 20-year-old coming in to speak with the director of sales from Americas and having to stand up and push back to them and say, you know, that actually is not going to work. Your team is getting fair distribution and round robin. And this is the logic that's been put in place. And so really helping guide her in those conversations and watching her grow. And then the rollout of this tool, and there were definitely some hiccups. Uh, there was some huge learning moments. There, but there, there always are, aren't there? Aren't they? Nothing goes smoothly. Um, but seeing her grow in that and seeing her confidence build and the way she communicated, the style and how it progressed from the beginning was such a proud moment. And then after I left Electric, she had reached out to me and she said she wanted to go back to school to get a project management degree because of me. And so she asked for me to be a reference for her for the school. And I was like, I would just be honored. That is everything to me. So for me, that was such a high. That was such a win to be able to help her, guide her with my experience and see her just flourish. And actually, there's another example of someone who has gone, actually, I'm really, really interested in mm -hmm. finding a bit more out and getting involved in here. I'm going to put my hand up. Go, actually, I'd like to get involved here. Can you help me? Yeah. And the answer was yes. And do, do you know what she's doing right now? or is she... she, I think, is finishing up her um, schooling. I think she graduates this year. Um, and then she just actually got a new job offer. So she's working full-time in a company doing marketing operations. So um, she's very happy. 
she's still in New York and just crushing it. Brilliant. Okay, so if we then take a little dive through to, um, yeah, are there any, let's call them tough learning experiences, <laughs> and any, anything that you would pull out there as a, um, as, as worth, worthy of highlighting? Oh, there are so many. So many. <laughs> Every day is a tough learning experience. But I think early in my career, I had a large number of them because again, that chip on my shoulder that having to prove myself, it just would get in my way constantly. But I remember I worked at a uh, distribution company and I was in Atlanta at the time. And this was, I think my second job after switching from theater. I had started out with them in sort of a sales, sales ops role and then I was moving more towards marketing. And so they had me doing these email programs, but I wasn't trained in marketing. I didn't have any experience. Like All I knew was sales. And so what the company did was it sold products to distributors who then resold. And we had a number of distributors that were competitors of each other. And so I built out this program and set it up. And honestly, I don't even remember what um, marketing ops or automation tool we used, but I had set it up and put in the tokens for like the company name and things like that. And so then I scheduled it to send and I sent and I did it really quickly. I didn't review it. I didn't have anybody else review it. There was no QA process. There was no documentation on a process. Next thing I know, I'm getting an influx of emails from one of the companies that's saying, you just addressed this to our competitor. Thanks so much for reminding us that you don't care about us and you're just selling to competitors. And I'm like, oh my God, I did the tokening wrong. I did the addressing wrong. I mass sent an email to one of our customers addressing them as their competitor. And I felt like such an idiot. I had to backtrack. It was oh God, it was probably a couple thousand emails I sent. And it that was like the just hit my head against a wall and said, okay, I need to stop. I need to slow down. I need to think. I need to build processes. I need to look at each step. I need to have a QA process documented so that when I am in a rush, I can look at it, remind myself, oh, did I do this step? Did I do this step? And that was a huge uh, turning point for me in really saying I have to take a step back and really evaluate what I'm doing and slow down to do it. I, I get the sense that recounting that story still pains you slightly. <laughs> for those, those listening can't can't see the video of us talking right now, but I could see, yeah, I think we were both wincing a little bit um, oh, yeah, re re replaying that. Wow, it still hurts me. I still think about the reaction my boss had. He reamed me. I am so embarrassed by it because it's such a, I, going back and looking at it now, I'm like, it was such a silly thing. Like, I didn't need to rush to send it. Why? What was I thinking? And so I, I still reel on it going, I, I knew I could have done better. Yeah, and that's the thing with lots of these things. It's really, really easily done. And I've <laughs> heard countless similar stories and you know i've created a couple of those um <laughs> scenarios myself it's, it, it happens but yeah you do have to remind yourself we're not at war here right. you know if if we don't send that email until well, let's say 9 a.m the next morning 
does anybody die? Right. No. What happens if it if we just take the time to properly review right. things and just take take a little bit of care, right? Yeah. And that's something I think has also been a part of my leadership mentality when I have a team is really reminding them this isn't life or death. Like, yeah, we want to get it out, but waiting 24 hours isn't going to hurt us millions of dollars. You know, it's not a life or death scenario. So take the time. My actual, my motto that I have for marketing ops is I always tell people, let us slow down so that you can speed up. question given that you opened up by just telling us all that you started a brand new role but uh but i'll ask it anyway what's what's next for you um next obviously aside from helping vasion become the master of the universe which you know is on track for the next four years but (laughs) um i would say for me i am really focusing some time on developing some educational material for the mops community I really want to take the time to share my knowledge, my experience. I'm working on building out some project management courses that will be hosted on marketingoperations.com so that other people can really get into that more project management piece of marketing operations. And I look at I'm looking at doing more of these types of podcasts. I want to share my knowledge. So that's really going to be my focus for the next couple of years. And what kind of areas are you going to be looking at in terms of some of these particular marketing ops, um, project management courses? Yeah, I think there, um, I actually was talking to Mike Rizzo about it last night. And I, I think what we want to do is focus on a number of different levels. So there's, you know, that entry level, how to use this project management mindset to develop your career, to focus on your day to day, how to better impact your overall time management workflow And then from a marketing operations leader, how do you better work your team? How do you set your team up for success using project management skill sets to run projects with different stakeholders, to use change management steps to ensure that if someone from your team or another team leaves, the company is still going to succeed because everything is there and set up properly. So really helping those individuals at different levels use what I have learned from PMI to incorporate that into their day-to-day. And actually, it sounds like something that would be really, really valuable, whether you're a broad brush marketer working in a slightly smaller smaller firm or mm-hmm. in some other parts of business, you know, some of the change management pieces that you've talked about just, just, just now, you know, really, really valuable skills to pick up and develop, not just if you're um, not just in the marketing ops space, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely across the board. Anybody can use them. Um, So I find that you get a lot of of good just career growth when you get some of those just key fundamentals from project management. In terms of your own personal um, personal development as well, um, where are you still looking to make some progress? 
Yeah, I have found myself leaning a lot into the business operations side of things. I want to start learning more around like capacity modeling and how to incorporate my knowledge of forecasting and data analytics and things like that into how to build out teams. And so one of the big projects I've always wanted to work on is this concept of if you have the right data and forecasting modeling, you can project marketing campaigns to bring in a certain number of pipeline, a certain number of qualified leads. And then you know the forecasting and the conversion numbers into how many of that's going to convert, how many of that is going to go to opportunities, going to get closed one, and then in turn going to go to onboarding and customer success. So how do we use that data to then evaluate from the beginning of this year what our marketing forecasting numbers are to next year what the customer success team needs to hire to support that growth that you're trying to forecast and attain in a team. So I'm really leaning into the business operation side of the house and trying to understand how some of these data data, um, sets that we're looking at can help the company grow and better support the customers. And as a as a woman who carves her own path uh, <laughs> for, the, for these things, how are you? What's what practical steps are you starting to take now in in pursuit of better role, a better understanding and getting involved in that space? Um, so I have already set up time with different finance individuals in the company. Uh, we do have a biz ops team at Vasion. I've started to you know drop hints on these types of concepts with them. Um, I'm building out certain dashboards with them with this in the back of my mind and people knowing that that's sort of the end goal. So we're starting to build that out and then engage in different aspects of like HR and finance to make sure that we're accounting for all the additional pieces that I don't know. And then trying to really get mentorship from individuals that have more executive leadership knowledge base on when it comes to hiring and growth and things like that. So I've started engaging with um, an individual named Paul Wilson, who's well known in the space. He's a very strong executive leader. He started his own company. And so really trying to pick his brain on different ways that this would work or wouldn't work and what teams need to be involved and things like that. So we're back in the realm of relationships and relationship management again, aren't we really? Yes. You don't get very far without uh, without that. You don't. (laughs) Given that we're in January, I'm going to ask if you've set any New Year's resolutions. Excellent. I have. Um, there's of course the personal ones that I have, which um, you know, I'm I'm just like everyone else. I have the goal to to lose some weight, get a little healthier. Um, but I actually I've recently read a book, and this is um one of my favorite things that a company's ever done. When I started Evasion, they sent a number of books to all new employees that talk about what their values are, that really talk to who they are as a company. One of the books they sent was Leadership and Self-Deception by the um, the Arbiter Group, uh, the Arbiter Institute. And it focused on a mindset shift that has always been in the back of my head. And it talks about how to be like in the box and out of the box with people, how to look at people as people and not as objects and how that changes how you engage with them. 
Now, I always thought that I was this out-of-the-box thinker. I engage with people like they're people. It doesn't matter if they're the janitor, if they're the CEO. I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to work with them like they're just people. However, I started to realize through reading this book that in my personal life, I don't do that with my husband. (laughs) I look at him very much in the box where he is an object and not in a negative way, but it in the in the book it really talks about how you get to these points where you start to view them as oh how do they not know to do that how do they you know they're just doing this because they're trying to be annoying to me and you start to build this like mentality around who they are and how they're engaging with you and you're forgetting that they're just a human being they just reacted and so it really helped me take a step back and say okay I need to stop putting so much around my husband and really just say, when he responds to me in like a frustrated way, it's not towards me. It's he's a person. He had a bad day. He had a he had a reaction. And it's really helped me engage better and communicate better. So my goal this year is to really spend more um, internal reflection on how I am engaging with others in the world? How am I engaging with my boss, my leadership? Am I looking at them as the same way that I would look at my employees? Which I find I don't. I look at my employees and I'm like, okay, they they miss something. It happens. Deadlines get missed, you know. But if the same thing happens to my boss, how could they do that? This is so ridiculous. And so really reeling myself in and better understanding and better looking at everyone on the same playing field. Um, so I'm spending a lot of time really delving into that uh, this year to try and better how I communicate and engage with others on a day-to-day. Brilliant. And you've just given me another book to pop onto my reading list. That it- and The Anatomy of Peace, which is the follow-up to Leadership and Self-Deception. Highly, highly recommend. Okay, well, I better get on um, on Amazon then and, and place an order. Brilliant. Okay, well, thanks ever so much for just taking some time to talk with me today. Um, really, really appreciate that. And uh, look forward to seeing and hearing everything you get up to in the future. Thank you so much. This was wonderful.